guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Support for Dubai Works is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched in the UAE with their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their exclusive offer for you. 20% off of the code DubaiWorks at manscaped.com. This week, we jumped from furniture onto cycling and two real pioneers of the industry in the UAE uh, talk about Revolution Cycles, they talk about Cycle Safe Dubai community out in Al Qudra and everywhere else where people cycle. If you're interested in the sport, if you participate, or if you want to know about an industry you don't know about, these guys are experts. They talk about all the different brands, all the different products. So it's really good chat. We really didn't have enough time to go through everything, but I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Today we have two co-founders of Revolution Cycles Dubai and Cycle Safe Dubai, Nicholas Brooks on my left and Stuart Harrison on his left. Thank you. Uh, our guests today have played a major role in molding the bike biking community in the UAE. They're, uh, as I said, they're co-founders of Re Revolution Cycles, which is a very popular uh, bike store and community, and also the Cycle Safe Dubai, which is a non-for-profit they launched over 10 years ago to provide safe space for cyclists to pursue their passion in the UAE and particularly in Dubai. Welcome both. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. Uh, so us. thanks for joining us. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit more about the background to both entities? I'll start with you, Stuart. So, so CycleSafe Dubai started, I think we're looking about 14 years ago now. Um, I moved to Dubai, I was involved in media and radio prior to, um, to moving to Dubai. And um, one of the biggest things I was struggling with was to try and find a nice safe place to ride. Um, as you know, 14 years ago, the roads were just main infrastructure roads. There wasn't many back roads for us to use. Um, and I was introduced to my good mate, Nick, um, by a mutual friend. He's a, got an Aussie mate who's a, an avid cyclist. Uh, maybe okay. you two should hook up. Yeah, we got together, planned a couple of rides together. Um, and we just found that we needed to find a place where we can get more people involved in the sport that we're both passionate about. I mean, I grew up racing my bike since the age of eight, nine years old. So coming from background in South Africa, um, you've got plenty of country roads you can go off and ride in. Um, yeah, so Nick and I went out, found a little area um, out in the middle of nowhere, uh, as it was then, and we put up a little Facebook group, Cycle Safe Dubai. First week we had four or five members or riders with us, then it was 10 and 20 and 40 and 60 and 80, and you know, next thing the group's at sort of eight to 10,000, and yeah, we've just, continued week on and week on um, every Friday and every Saturday providing an environment for people that are of ex-pro, ex-world champions to come and ride with us to absolute beginners, you know, mm. finding a place to get on their bike and, and go for a ride and know that they're being looked after in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. interesting. And how did Revolution Cycles come into it then as well? So Revolution Cycles came off as, as something that happened when we had what had happened was obviously we, we started this community and everybody's getting out and getting fitter and we set up the Wednesday nights down at the Dubai Autodrome, train Yas in Abu Dhabi. Um, and what happened was the natural progression is, is people are going, well, we're getting fit. What are we getting fit for? We need an event. We set up an event and 
The second year of the event, we went to a couple of bike shops to try and get them involved as sponsors and partners of the event. And the one company just said, you know what, your event does so much for us already, why do we need to spend any money? And we thought, you know what, that's, that's kind of a really encased view of things that you don't want it to grow the market. So it's got old Nick and says, you know what, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at opening a bike shop that can self-perpetuate as a bike store, but can also reinvest back into events and community and give something back to the community where, you know, at, at that point, it was a very, very small industry. Mm. And yeah. yeah, 10 years ago, we started Revolution Cycles Dubai and just haven't looked back on it. Okay, so 2007 was the the cycle group and the Facebook group, but 2011 it. is the store and the and the kind of commercial part of it Correct. as well. Which and the, and they're kind of separate, right? Like the totally. the non for profit, you don't have to pay for anything. It's for all levels. I, I've been part of it myself. I know that it's quite welcoming. Um, you, you know, it, to describe a scenario, people are asked to choose which pace they want to go, Correct. and they join the right group. So it's not. So it's. You're not going to be left dropped quite yeah. early or anything like that. No. So, yeah, so, so that, that's sort of great. Do you have any sort of ideas uh, of numbers in terms of like how many people were there, were cycling in Dubai 14, 15 years ago versus how big the addressable market is today? Please. <laughs> I guess, I mean, for us, you know, when we went looking for a group, I think the group that we sort of first rode in, and I, we'd both come out of, you know, riding for clubs or, you know, Stu a little bit sort of more advanced than, than me, but, you know, we could ride a bike really well, plenty of experience. Hmm. Um, and so we ended up joining a group that you literally had to hang on. If you didn't hang on, you were left and there was no nothing there behind you to pick you up. And that was maybe 30, 40 people there was a couple of other groups where you'd see single riders, but I guess that's the, what happened when we started up the group, that there was lots of people that had heard that actually we wouldn't leave them behind. There was a safety vehicle there. And the aspect was that it would follow the last rider or one of us would follow the last rider. Mm. So, I mean, if it was a couple of hundred, yeah. I think it'd be a, a stretch okay. back then. There's still lots of people that say, oh, I've been riding here for 30 years, Yeah, but they're very few. Okay. Whereas these days, you know, there's so many people that if, if you don't ride, it's kind of unusual, yeah. especially this pandemic as well. So obviously, you know, with, with a growing population and with an active population as well, uh, sports can grow and the ecosystem around sports can grow but um, you know what I'm trying to get at is the contrast between now and then because as you That's said it. there was you know there was expats coming to the region for many years yeah. did they not bring their bike did they not have anywhere to cycle why is this part of the world so okay. different than anywhere else I think that was probably when yeah we'd been what riding for maybe four five maybe six years, um, out at Alcudra. Okay. And it was just a single lane road. Yeah. I think back then you can remember there was 3D sort of billboards of the hotels that they were going to put up there. And I think it was going to be similar to the Vegas Strip. Yeah. It was going to be a busy, busy road. Um, but, you know, when we were riding there, it was before the bridge was even over the 611. So it was quite, if you were going out there, it was just to maybe ride a horse or go to Babelsham. Yeah, okay. Um, so there was very few cars. Um, you'd have to make an effort to go down there, so you you didn't. Um, and I think that's when, um, you know, we would regularly see His Highness Sheikh Mohammed um, coming back on a Friday morning or a Saturday morning from in winter, generally from his sort of house that was out near the solar farm now. 
Um, and, you know, he'd follow us for a number of kilometers and then sort of pull out because then it was a single lane road and then sort of hopscotch through the groups because we had all the groups sort of paced out along the road. He would be cycling or sometimes no, in his car? No, he'd be always car. in his car. Okay. Yeah, you, you could hear the car coming, that sort of G-Wagon. G-Wagon. Yeah, yeah. and um, you would hear him behind you. And there was one morning where I think one of us waved him sort of through because you could hear him. And uh, he sort of sat there and then slowly sort of pulled out and, you know, waved over for a chat. and. That was the, the morning that yeah, Stuart rolled over to the window and he said, look, you know, this, this is great. There's lots of cyclists out, but, you know, it's, it's not safe with this many people out and we need to do something about it. And that's the amazing thing about His Highness that he has that vision of like, this is a great thing for the city, for the community and for, for health. Mm. And, you know, wanted to build a cycling track. Mm. And it happened in six... Oh, six months. You, months, could, you really? could see the, 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 the massive infrastructure that was being put down. We got involved with the, the RTA and the, the engineer's office just on advice and, uh, you know, what's from an end user's point of view, what's acceptable. You know, they're asking, we want to build a bridge or can you ride over this bridge that's at 6%? We're like, mate, it's, it, there's no, not many hills in, in, in Dubai Desert. So yeah. if you give us a 15% gradient, we're going we're gonna to go for it. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just the... The vision, I think a lot of people look at it and go, yeah, but it's all about around the same time as Bradley Wiggins did so well in the Olympics and did so well at, uh, at the Tour de France. It was before that. Yeah. You know, by the okay. time Brad went off and did what he did and cycling globally exploded, mm. um, we already had a cycle track. We already had like yeah. 30, 40 Ks of, of cycling track out in the desert. So Highness, His Highness's vision was ahead of the time, you yeah. know, as he is with most things. You know, yeah. it's just... You, you can't quash that 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 vision that uh, that he has. It's, it, it sounds collaborative as well, but you know, and the, the planning around the track and the gradients as well sounds like that you guys were consulted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, I guess you've got to have somebody in the the right place that sees it. Like, if it was in Australia, Europe, um, you know, South Africa, it would have been held up in. Um, parliament for months and kept someone in a job for mm. months or years and there would have been every excuse under the sun to to hold it up mm. but the amazing thing about his highness is that it needs to be done there's a timeline it's there generally when he asks for something it's not just to mm. sort of say look this could happen at any time yeah there's a process and there's a, a need for it and it gets done and you don't worry about the sort of the small things. You figure it out, go around a gaff tree and, you know, incorporate sort of the environment um, into mm. it and it gets done quickly. And that's sort of, that's the al story in terms of the, the track out there, which is, uh, which has been extended and extended yeah. again. And then now cycling is, of course, through a plan throughout the city. Yeah, There's sure. new developments announced in many different ways. Yeah. So it seems to be an, uh, you know, a evolving story of cycling integrated within yeah. Dubai. Yeah. Um, do you feel part of that or, or, you know, how do you, like you do so many things now within the community, how have you seen it expand and grow? Definitely feel part of it because there's, there's so many questions that are asked as to what do we think would work and I mean, I've been down to, to Expo and working with the guys down at Expo 2020 to see how they can incorporate new tracks getting into there and what's going to happen with the venue afterwards and how oh, we yeah. can incorporate more cycling to and from the destination because once once Expo 2020 Dubai finishes, you know the, that that structure and that area 
has to be incorporated into the city. So it's a case of talking about cycling routes that can get to and from there. What are the areas that we feel are really good key areas to use as, as, as mobility areas to bring cyclists to it? Not just a case of, you know, us crazy guys and girls that go out on you know, Fridays and Saturday morning, go and ride 200 kilometers out in the desert. We want to use that track as a commuting. So it's a case mm. of mom and dad want to use the bikes and you know, little Jane and Johnny want to use the bike to go to school. Yeah, maybe it's the, the gardener using his bike to, to go from one area to another. So definitely we're involved in... in um, so many different Yeah, there's yeah. just... And, it's, and it hasn't stopped. And it's just continued to, mm. to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, when, when Nick was saying about when we first started, the size of the groups and that, not to take away from the UAE national cycling team, in those days, a phenomenal team, and still are a fantastic team, and lots of feeders going into it. So there was, there was definitely a disparity between... The, the, the expat riders and local riders. Yeah. So the local riders had strong clubs, but it was just some, they were riding somewhere else. We weren't, we weren't riding with them. Now it's just all together. It's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. so good. That's good to see. Um, and so, so what were the kind of numbers over the years? Obviously a transient type city in one respect. Mm. Um, do you keep track of data on Cycle Safe Dubai members and, and sort of how, how do the numbers look like? The groups? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, obviously, the last couple of years, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, had to leave Dubai um, because of what we all went through. Um, so the numbers sort of dropped. But we, it's, it's weird, like, there, there's always new riders coming through. So you hover around that sort of 400 type number. Um, we built up to it really quickly. Um, obviously, you know, with Emirates, um, and the pilots, there's a lot of cyclists in amongst um, the mm. pilots. Um, and also, you know, from a health perspective, um, they needed to do something for, you know, for their fitness tests. Mm. Um, and we, we actually ride with a few of the top uh, medical guys um, at Emirates, um, you know, Donata guys as well. So, you know, we speak to them quite often about it. But now they've gone out to do, up, do their group. A lot of groups have come out of, you know, getting together from CSD and gone off to do their group. So. Yeah. In one way, it's nice to at least, you know, start off the foundation and, and then all these other groups come out of it and have inspired other groups to do it. Because yeah. I tell you what, to manage, let's say, 2,000 people yeah. on a ride, it's just never going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And so when you see these other groups out there, um, you know, it's great. The whole thing for us is more about making sure that we're always trying to promote safe cycling. Yeah. Be aware of the cyclist next to you, behind you, in front of you. Um, make sure that, you know, you know, no point, Stuart and I, I mean, apart from speaking about it this morning, we're very quiet about, you know, the involvement of what we had. It's more like, you know, it wouldn't have happened without his highness. Yeah. So it's not like I walk around with a, you know, crown on my head and sort of, you know, tell people like I'm the sort of police for it. Um, it's more about just making people aware, look, you know, this is all our role to actually have safe cyclists, um, make sure that new people don't get buzzed by sort of fast guys going, you know, going past them. Mm. And, and just be, 
aware that we have an amazing place and you know thankfully Dubai is a very friendly city yeah um, so the, the idea is just to get every group to promote that safer cycling and that friendly sort of side of things exactly too. like there's etiquette around how to cycle in groups so it's safe for everyone yeah. so just not listen to music obviously you have to wear a helmet yeah. and things yeah. like that yeah yeah it's very good and you can get stuck out there sure like one earphone in so you can listen with your outside ear it's those little tips and tricks that mm. You know, sometimes a beginner doesn't know and they go out there because they're riding by themselves and they have both earphones in and you shout out to them numerous times and then you go past mm. and they get a wobble. Yeah. It's not you going past as the first rider, it's that second, third or fourth yeah. person that's going past. And then also the, being the last wheel, shouting out, going last wheel yeah. so that they know that there's no one else behind them. Mm. And, you know, it's going to be sort of quiet yeah. again. Yeah. And what about, you know, people who join cycling and then, uh, not join cycling, but they join groups like your group and then they build up to races. And I know you guys are involved in the Spinnies Dubai 92 as well, which mm. is a, a really good big event every year. Is that something uh, that you've seen people kind of build up to and be able to cycle 92 kilometers 100%. around the city? 100%. Well, that yeah, yeah. It came yeah. out. it came out of... Cycle safe Dubai. Yeah. You look at uh, rides, yeah, and they're structured: 35, 45, 65, 85 kilometer rides, and then 104. Mm. The whole thing was we now we then sort of well, Stuart developed a race with his experience to to set off the spinnies. Yeah, and, and when did that start? So we're in year 12 now. So okay. this year will be the 12th year, which is in March. Obviously, with the pandemic, we had to move things around. We were delayed, and it was just. So now we've moved everything into March, which looks like it's going to be the right time of year because we always found going into December and November time, there was always these holidays, then there's school breaks. And then, you know, obviously for a ride like this, you need to have the numbers in order to theoretically inconvenience the city by closing down the road. So in order for us to gain that critical mass of numbers, we needed riders. So we went, well, you know what? We had to, we had to postpone December um, two years ago. We had it this year um, in, in, I think it was in March. Yeah, yeah, it was March. And now next year's one will be in February. And we're going to try and keep it in the February calendar. It's a good time of year. Weather's perfect. You know, still got lots of tourism coming through. Expo's still on. Um, so Yeah. It's an incredible event. I'm lucky enough to take part in it a few years. And talking about Cycle Safe Dubai and the roads here in the Highness Vision, it's almost like a template for Saudi and for other places. Oh, yeah. And also you mentioned the expo that last year's route did actually cycle around the expo, yeah. which yeah. was a first look for many people yeah. on their yeah, bikes, maybe. which is quite, you know, shows how integrated it is with yeah. the city as well. And it's, it's also, you know, the first year I remember, um, you know, with Stuart and the amount of time that he spent with, you know, the, the brigadier and um, all the police mm. and then the ambulances and trying to explain, taking them over to South Africa to show them oh, wow. um, the... Um, uh, Cape Argus, just to show them, like, that's 35,000 people. Yeah, 35,000 yeah. um, people, people yeah. that do the yeah. event wow, around. Yeah. Sort of cycling table. race, that's yeah. a big number. It's, yeah. it's, the big, it's the biggest timed cycling event in the world. Wow. Yeah. They've gone up to numbers of 42,000. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's huge. Melbourne. Lies. Wow, that's almost, that's almost as big as the London Marathon, which is the yeah. biggest, yep. which is yeah. 40,000. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Melbourne have a big one, but you've got to cross the sort of heads so you actually jump on a ferry mid-ride okay. and, and cross over to the <laughs> yeah. other side. Great Strava segment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so the, I'm just trying to figure out where I was going with this, the events. Um, yeah, just talking, get planning. Oh, with the numbers race. and yeah. planning. Yeah, so, and that was the thing that you, 
it's not just about CSD. It's not about the bike shop. You know, Stuart's in many different departments, mm. you know, constantly just trying to, you know, I guess, bring in all the various groups. So that first year was really interesting to have the police out there. Mm. And now this year, um, or sorry, last year, I mean, there was, I was riding with um, Andy Schleck and he said, this is one of the most amazing races. He's the famous he's pro France. cyclist. Yeah. German? Yep. Uh, yeah. No, he's from Liechtenstein. Eh? Oh, is sorry. It? Okay. Yes. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, he just sort of said, like, this is amazing. Like, you're closing down roads. He said, this would never happen anywhere else. Okay. For just a community event and this big. Mm. Um, and he, he just said, it's like, that's the thing that you see with a whole city where you've got different departments you know, um, having their own parts. And the, the, the guys, the police force, are just such a well-oiled machine. Right. They know exactly what's going on. Yeah. There's road sort of closures. There's people directing traffic. I mean, it, it's, it's a great ride to be part of. And if you are just getting into cycling, it's so much safer now than it was the first time because everyone knows what's going yeah. on yeah and it's just that you're right it's a template for amazing and the fact that it's in march uh, people if they start now they've got a nice cool winter to yeah, build up absolutely. to it yeah. very good yeah so let's talk a little bit about cycling as an industry and from a you know from a uh bicycle point of view and the brands like what does what does it what's involved in setting up a, a commercial entity and what are the things you need to think about and how has that happened for, say, revolution cycles in this city? I think from, from a global standpoint, just looking at what's happened over the pandemic, it's, it's, it's kind of been the success in its own failure in the same way. Um, you look at numbers, you know, the numbers that are bouncing about is 400% increase over the pandemic. Okay. Now, for manufacturers, the big ones that manufacture all the components, look, you've got your, your bike frame manufacturers, your look, your Willia, you know, and, and the Trex and the Giants and that, the manufacturer, the frames, but they need the components, they need the group sets, which is Shimano, your SRAM, your Colnaga, uh, your Campagnola. Now, them as a business model, they go, well, we need 10,000 group sets for the frames that we're building. Those three big manufacturers have been hit so hard, you're looking at delays from the manufacturers of up to 400 days. Okay. So I was at Eurobike uh, last month, which is a massive bike festival where all the industry gets together and they show you what's coming up for next year. And all of them are saying, bikes are all sold out till 2023. No way. <laughs> so that's, and that is from big, big manufacturers. Wow. And you're looking at the likes of, like I saying, like, look, Willia, Merida, Giant Scott, Trek, they're all saying the same things. They're all singing the same song. It's like, we cannot get group sets. Okay. We can't get group sets. And the group sets that we're buying, we don't know the price of what they're going to be. Can you explain that? So why the group sets? And, you know, on this podcast, we've had different people from different industries yeah. and they all talk about either chip shortages oh, or supply chain. Yeah. How is it related to, to group sets and that part of the bike? So if you look at a, a company like Shimano, so they are the biggest manufacturer of group sets. They manufacture uh, fishing tackle and fishing equipment as well. Yeah. Um, it's a massive, massive company, but they, their design of their supply chain it's not one factory will make the entire group set. There'll be certain factories in different areas. One will make the, the brake calipers, one will make the STIs, the shifters, one will make the derailleurs, one will make the wheels. So they're all reliant on all these arms coming into one centralized uh, packaging hub and then sending it out. When one area stops doing it, like if it's your brakes or if it's your STIs or, or, or whatever it is, if it's a battery manufacturer, that component fails. 
you've now got a supply chain failure. Mm. And when you've got a global demand, and I don't think there's any business kind of advisor that could say to you, you know what, you need to forecast mm. for something that's that you don't know is going to be there, a potential growth of 400% demand okay. on parts. So they're all sold out of it. The community is in the cycling community and, and, and the global trend was to get out and get fit because you couldn't go to your gyms. Okay. You needed to go out and find running blew up, um, cycling blew up, outdoor sports went crazy. So you were trainers. indoor trainers, uh, Wahoo kickers, just, mm. you know, there was just global demand that was just un, unaccounted for. There's no way you could do it. Mm. So from a business model, the guys are sitting there going, well, we've got these orders. Yeah, you would go up, I know my little brother lives in the UK, he went in to go and buy himself an e-bike and um, he was told, well, you need to go on the waiting list, to go on the waiting list. Mm. You know, sort of, he's waited a year to get his bike. So that gives you an idea of of where it is and what's going on with it. So Mm. the price of secondhand bikes during the pandemic went from, you could pick up prior to pandemic, a thousand, thousand, five hundred dirham secondhand bike, three thousand, four thousand dirhams for the same bike. The problem is, if a part breaks on it, chance of us finding the spare part Interesting. Limited. Yeah. So, yeah, so it difficult. is really affected by demands because of a uh, behavior shift of, yeah. of yeah. people and adoption of cycling. Yeah. A, f- a friend of mine has a store in, in Victoria, in um, Australia, Melbourne. And um, yeah, he rang up. I mean, I've spoke to Stuart about it. And Stuart's like, oh, you've only had a couple of phone calls? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, other distributors for Look, yeah. for, you know, Kickers, for, you know, Wahoo. They're, they're all ringing everybody else to sort of say, oh, by the way, do you have? Okay. Um, and yeah, Nathan, he sort of said to me, you know, if there's anything that you've got, I'll buy it, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, so, such as the well, demand he, in his store. Yeah, he yeah. did his budget. He bought his bikes for the year and he sold them all out between January and March. Okay. And now he said, my shop looks like I sell multiple brands because it's turned into a, a sort of um, repair shop mm-hmm. um, where I've got so many bikes that I've now got them laid out on the floor and people walk in thinking I've got bikes to sell and they're looking for the price tags. Yeah. It's like, no, no, that's, that bike, somebody's it's coming yeah, for yeah. service. And then they look around the whole shop and he says, they're all somebody's bike. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're in lockdown. You know, so yeah, yeah, still. There's yeah. a huge problem there. And now we'll take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsor. If you're like me and you're always in a rush in the morning and evening, but you really know you should spend more time on hygiene and grooming, then when the product comes along that just works and it's got everything, uh, you really find use of it. And I, I was like that for the last week when I've been testing out Manscaped. They've got a trimmer, which is a lawnmower 4, and loads of different gadgets, really, and different products, such as deodorant. Uh, I suggest if you want to try it out, we've got a code, it's 20% off. They, for, you just use Dubai Works code on the Manscaped website. They asked me to spell Dubai Works. I think you'll manage that uh, and let us know how you get on. And now we're back. Uh, so, but that seems to be like a, a trend everywhere. Uh, what about in Dubai? We, we see a lot of bike stores. We see, we don't, we don't have a big sort of supermarket for bikes, yeah. or things like that. But has there been enough supply for that demand here in the last year? So I think we were, we were fortunate enough with our, our forecast orders and, and we're lucky because of the hemisphere that we're in that our summer is the off, off season, theoretically, right? There's still okay. the nutcases out there like us that still go out and ride in the summer. But winter, 
where in Europe that's kind of a down season, so we're able to pull stock from there. Okay. So from a stock point of view, we're well placed in having stock and able to to replace you on a new bike. We've got some stocks for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we might not have the exact color that you want, yeah. but you know there's, there's going to have to be some flexibility on it. Um, and then looking at the the market in Dubai, most stores have got a good supply now. But we're coming into season, so it's it's what's going to happen throughout the season. You're probably going to find colors become less and less. The, the the range goes a bit smaller. Most of the stores are well established, so they know what their projections are anyway. So they've got that stock. And I think I was reading an article in the UK that um, was saying the demise of the bike industry. That over pandemic period, everybody had so much more time to go out and ride the bikes and to to go out and get fit because they were working from home. Yeah. Now, everyone's back at their offices, that time frame has now been eroded. So mm-hmm. there's less and less riders out on the road. So the industry is kind of coming back to a norm. I wouldn't say there's, there's been a bubble and it's popped, absolutely not. I don't think that the industry will ever go back down to where it was. There's definitely gonna be a return to mm. an inflated normal. Yeah. Um, so I think that, um, as in the UAE from, from an industry point of view, I think we're in, we're in a very good place. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So just in terms of uh, what you sell, uh, we had someone from Chattels and More last week and he shocked me and said 50% of what we sell in our furniture store are sofas. We focus on sofas. So is it what one would suspect? Are people normally just buying bikes? You mentioned about so many brands there. uh, Like It seems to be, I'm sure most listeners don't know of those brands and we won't go into them all, but there's a lot of products, there's a lot of things that, there's a lot of accessories, there's a lot of parts. How much is it like when we were growing up, we might buy a bike and that was it? Um, is that sort of a large majority of, of your, your, your there's, story? Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of add-ons that go to it. You know, there's always the base level you go in, you go in and you, in your mindset, you're going, I need a new bike, I want to go, mm. go riding. And you can do that. You can come in, buy a bike, it's got some flat pedals on it. Most of the, the higher end bikes don't come with pedals because then you want your option, you want to put some look pedals on it, which is your clip-in pedals. Um, and then you go, well, now I need some cycling shorts because I've been out riding for a week and I'm getting really numb and it's a bit uncomfortable. Well, your distance has gone up from 5Ks, now you're doing 30Ks. So you need a pair of cycling shorts. Okay, well, what goes with a cycling short? A cycling shirt. Okay, well, get a nice cycling jersey because it's got some pockets in it. So you can put some, yeah. you know, you can put some SIS in the back pockets there. You can put some gels and you know, maybe a bottle of water, your phone. Okay, you need a helmet, right? You've got to have a helmet. Then we need some sunglasses, right? My hands are getting numb. I need some gloves. I need a computer. I need to see where I've gone. I need to be on yeah. Strava. Well, you need yourself a Wahoo computer. And then that's before, and shoes and yeah. shoes. That's before yeah. you look at the guy next to you. Yeah. Oh. who you go out riding with? Who's yeah. then got the yeah. shoes, or he's got a different set of shoes, or he's just bought wheels. Yeah. You know, and Separate that's where it rolls out. Wheels. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is where we, you know, always find it interesting i know we sort of look at when you buy a bike buy a frame that is the best frame that you can afford yeah. because that's something that you can update you know you can then you know a year later and and we it sounds like it's a sales pitch but i guess for us the way that you know we've always worked is you know information yeah. is key and empowering the person that's coming in so that they don't feel like they're being sold to, they're making the decisions. Yeah. But you know, that, that wheel set is, is that next upgrade. It might be six months you know, down the track because your friend's got a set of wheels and he's raving about them, but it might be something that you put a line in the sand in a year's time and say, right, if I get the bug, 
and you know I'll come back for those wheels mm. and then it's the other upgrades that you do to the bike but at least that frame you know you can have for a number of years mm. um, so the idea is to spend the money on that and then do the the upgrades yeah. on top of it yeah um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to compare it with for people who aren't familiar with cycling with another industry but I can't think of one because golf okay but golf you you have to pay to play where cycling is Absolutely. open air yeah. And, yeah. but yeah but similar yeah so you you pay well it's how do, how do you think it's similar so i think they're very similar i was at um, a new golf course last week and the exact same question came up the guy said i'm a golfer i don't know anything about cycling i need you to put some equipment in my store but i know nothing about cycling i said well let's let's look at an apple for apple Cycling, you go out, you get a bike, you'll see yourself progressively getting better, rapidly getting better. So if you're riding three times a week, you're going to see yourself go from 5Ks to 30Ks by the end of the month. So with golf, you're going to look for that little added advantage. And I know very little about golf. So you're going to have different balls do different okay. things. So you're going to want to buy, instead of a, a five-durham golf ball, you're going to want a 50-durham golf ball. Um, you've got an aluminium shaft, and it, I'm assuming, vibrates harder when you hit the ball or you drive the ball. You want a carbon fiber one. So that's going to be an upgrade. And, and those are the things okay. that you look and go, yeah, yeah, similar level. So you got carbon fiber golf shoes as opposed to just normal plastic molded or leather shoes as opposed to plastic shoes. Different little cleats in the bottom to hold yeah. into the grass. Yeah. yeah. You know, clothing, cooling yeah. clothing, I mean, yeah. under armor. Shoes, know. sunglasses, hats, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. So it's a big, so we're talking about a big industry, a big, um, who, for people who know, say, other sporting brands, and you mentioned some of them, who are the leaders? Who are the global market leaders in terms of apparel or, or manufacturing bikes? So I'd say that, and I don't want to be too biased, obviously, towards our brands and that. There's, so we've got some, some niche brands that, that do the bikes that are, you know, we work with, with Look and with Willia. That's, that's our bike brands. You know, each, each brand say that, it's so similar to say to like a motor vehicle. You've got your BMWs, your Mercedes, your Audis, and all of them have different levels of, you know, of expense and, and quality. And, you know, so each one has a different feature towards it. So you've got the big manufacturers like your Giant, your, your, your Fuji, your Merida, your Scots. Across the board, it's got to be something that appeals to you. But at yeah. the end of the day, they, they will all pretty much have a similar baseline. Okay. One might be lighter, one might be a faster climbing bike, one might be slightly more aerodynamic. Yeah. But at the level, it's going to be a case of you look at for what you want. Do you want a bike that everybody's got? Or do you want something that's a little bit more niche and a little bit more personal? Yeah. Um, look as a panel manufacturer, uh, predominantly, they started off in ski bindings. Um, yeah. And they okay. made the first clipless pedal, and that was Greg LeMond won the Tour de France on the on the first carbon fiber bike. They were the first okay. ones to manufacture the carbon fiber bikes. Paris Roubaix. Oh, wow. Paris Roubaix. So each bike is going to have a bit of a legacy and a history towards it and behind it. I mean, the the, the sport. You look at the Tour de France, and mm. you look at years gone by what those guys rode. I mean, those were miners. Those were real proper hard men mm. that would you know be down in the pits and. Yeah, they come up and go and ride their bikes and raid the stores and they're, they're smoking their cigarettes and drinking their, I mean, I think their doping was um, drinking yeah. whiskeys and stuff like that. That would <laughs> get their, their endorphins in. Um, and then you look at your big, the, the big brands, obviously, Wahoo is relatively new when I say relatively new to the industry. You know, there's, there's other manufacturers that do similar things, but Wahoo's come onto the, the market thick and fast in the past seven years. 
with new computers and new um, indoor trainers, and mm. that hit the market at the right time. Where, especially for a territory like UAE, Dubai, yeah. where it's so hot in the summer, but as avid cyclists, you want to still keep on riding, mm. having the fun and the thrill of being outdoors. Get yourself an indoor trainer, which links up to a network, and you can either ride it on your own or you can ride it on screens. We do a Wednesday night ride online. Okay. Everybody joins in from around the world, and we go and do for, go and do a ride together. Okay. And you feel like you've you've gone out and ridden with your buddies, but meanwhile you've been sitting in your pain cave at home riding your bike. That, that would be on Zwift or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Zwift, full gas, um, yeah, any of those kind of kind yeah. of programs. The big yeah. difference between, I guess, where that's come from and how that's developed is um, like. Wahoo came out with just a cycle computer. Then it was the next step. Then it was, yeah. you know, watches. Mm. And but their development and their upgrades are like coming thick and fast. Like just last week, last week, yep. they they launched um, System, which no one. So everyone sort of said, oh, you know, Wahoo doesn't have this, and Garmin has this. But now they have this system where you can sort of load everything onto, and you can plan your rides, and you can link it up to full gas. And you can ride anywhere, I think it's 10,000 odd places yeah. around the globe mm. in full 4K. Like if you had, you know, VR goggles on, yeah. you could literally be there, um, the which is step. a lot yeah. different to yeah. 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 But That's the amazing thing that you could do these rides on this platform and then go, wow, you know, next time I'm there, I'm definitely going to do yeah. this ride in real life. Mm. So it promotes that sort of tourism and aspect as well for cycling. So, so not only has Dubai evolved with roads and people and interests, the cycling industry has fundamentally changed with so many different technologies, yep. so yep. many different products and things like that. Uh, running a business in a community, how do you make choices or do you respond to the demand of customers? You know, if, do you stock up for indoor trainers or how, yeah. how do you stay, you know, terra firma and say, okay, this is our store, this yeah. is what we do and not be tempted to chase all the new yeah. trends? So that's, that comes down to, I know that the brands that, that we support and we ride with and we run with is the kind of brands that are, are key to what I grew up with, what Nick grew up with. Mm. Um, I'd always, I'd always ridden with, with Look Pedal. So when we went over and, and took on the brand, I knew I had faith in the brand because it's, it's, a, it's a history brand. It's a brand that's been around for years. We look at a very key example of how a trend can change. Um, the Tour de France was won for the past two years by uh, Tadej Pogacar, who rides for UAE Emirates. Um, and you look at the brands that, that he's riding on now, it's very much like uh, Ronaldo. Everybody wants to wear what Ronaldo's wearing. Okay. So, Tadej. What, what does he wear? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you look at the certain things that become very trendy okay. um, and um, we're very fortunate and um, thanks to him for doing so. When Tajik came over, there was a helmet given to His Highness Sheikh Hamdan and when he put on the helmet, the phone didn't stop ringing because mm. he's put on his Instagram, the phone didn't stop ringing from Amazing. everybody who wants that brand. I mean, it's the same as Ronaldo comes on and shows something, now yeah. everybody wants that. And it's a case of that brand is now trending incredibly because of A, it's a fantastic product it's won the Tour de France, but also an icon like His Highness has worn that item. Yeah. Now everybody wants it. So for us, picking a brand that we know has got a legacy and a history and a heritage towards it is fundamental. But in saying that, something new comes along, yeah. like the LMNT salts that's new into the market. Yeah. Um, you brought something. We brought something to take a look at those. Yeah. So this is, uh, explain what this is. Nick's best with that because it's nutrition okay. and that's, that's his okay. game. So you haven't even touched on nutrition, but yeah, <laughs> so much to talk about. I guess, 
So my diet, I sort of run similar to a keto diet, you know, it's a bit of a, a sort of, some people think, see it as a fad, it's just a lifestyle. I've been doing it now 10 years. Yeah. So I don't do any carbs, no rice, no flour, no, um, you know, bread, pasta, nothing like that. Things so, that people typically would think you need for endurance yeah. sport. And, and my sort of pinpoint is, well, we've got a close friend of ours, or a couple of close friends of ours that are type 1 diabetic. You talk to them about carbo-loading the night before a race, and they, they're sort of like, well, that's, that's pointless. Like, do you, do you know about diabetes? Mm. And that's that thing that I guess it's the education around, you know, it's great to lower your carbohydrates, you know, early in the week. And then, you know, the few nights before take on that carbohydrates because you actually take them on board. But I guess that's my background. So I understand it. Although it's 20 years ago, we're still doing the same thing. Mm. So with Element, there's no sugar in there. So for me, this is where I said to Stuart, like, I want this brand, you know, because it's great having other brands like SIS, but I don't, you know, gels are great um, out there when you need something, but I tend to, you know, do my thing. Mm. Um, and you know, I use them sort of sparingly, but for a drink, you know, that salt is important to me. Salt's like the, the, uh, the electric wires between your cells. Mm. If you don't have sodium, magnesium, potassium in you, um, then you can forget about like your hydration and your carbo loading the night before. Mm. So that's a big thing. And especially out here sweating so much, yeah. the major, I mean, you lick your skin, like mm. you taste salt. Mm. So. True everything that you're losing out of your pores is salt. Mm. Um, so this is a huge, you know, product and gain for us. Mm. And, you know, the guy behind it, Rob Wolf um, and Tyler, um, they're, they're big keto guys and they talk about keto flu as well, where it's like a lot of the eating that you do on those diets, you don't eat processed food. Um, so you don't tend to have that big salt uptake. Mm. So you need to make sure that you're eating salt. And we get sort of fed particular lines about, you know, cholesterol's bad or salt's bad or this is bad. It's not. Mm. Like if you actually look at the data, you know, you'll you'll sort of work out what is actually good for you in the right way. Um, you know, you have one ingredient products, whether it's a steak, you know, and then you have a product like you know um, Beyond Burger that's like twenty six different products in there, mm. and that's an industrial product. You know, I'm for plant based. Yeah, 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 I'm for eating where you actually you know farm to plate type thing. You know, the great thing about the UAE was got lost so many farms and you know all this sort of developing mm. that um, you know you're not eating these products that have been mass produced on industrial farms. You know, free range, grass fed you know, is a, is a great way to do it or, you know, eat, eat what's right for you mm. and make sure that you're getting the right info and you're not just following yeah. some movie out there mm. that claims one thing. Yeah. You know, it's great for a few years, but then when you yeah. start looking into the data yeah. and not taking one side. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. So I think, you know, uh, we could have a, inter- a conversation about so many different parts Absolutely. of the cycling industry, but it's good. But I think the summary is that in revolution cycles and with cycle safe Dubai that you know I, I was trying to get at you know do you pick one thing well you have to pick everything you have yeah. to be part you have to know about nutrition yeah. you know yeah. to be a good trusted uh, consultant or uh, provider for someone yeah. who's looking for services yeah. around cycling you have to know about 
you know, different types of computers and helmets and yep. shoes and, and things like that. You can sell lots of stuff. Yeah. But the, the, the thing for us is making sure that the, the customer comes back and it's a point of reference. Mm. You know, that we're not just spouting something about our products. It's like, okay, well, look, this is the reason behind it. This is why I take what I take. This yeah. is why Stuart takes what he yeah. takes. And that's when you build up that sort of, you know, base. It's a trust issue as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, that's just you know, your, your advice, yeah. 14 years ago, when it, or, you know, actually not so much with the shop, but when I was talking to Stuart, I was like, well, I want this bike. He's like, no one knows that brand, Nick. Like, yeah. that's the hardest sell under the sun. Yeah. But I have won it in Melbourne. So, you know, that was Personal what I preference. went for. And yeah. that's what, you know, I knew and, and loved, but also, you know, rode on look all the time. And, you know, yeah. you know, so you have all the equipment, but that's the whole thing. You want to be that hub and that reference point where people feel comfortable asking a question, mm. you know, um, and and not, I guess the big thing is just not feeling silly. Mm. They, they, come and they can ask anything and yeah. they can get the help that they deserve at whatever level they're at, mm. um, whether or not they're going pro or if they're just a weekend warrior yeah. that just wants to stay healthy and just be mindful of what's going on there. Be part of a community, like-minded people that want to go out just go for a ride. And there is, there's those different variations. You get the once a week rider who just wants to go out and enjoys the Friday ride, getting into the bunch. He's got three or four of his mates that he knows from the group, wants to go for a ride in there. He's never wanting to ride the Tour de France. I mean, 99% of us are never going to do that. But if there's somebody out there that does it, well done to you. But it's, mm. it's something we do it for our own personal reason. And Nick touched on something saying that somebody doesn't want to come into Revolution and ask a question and feel like it is always daunting. Like if I was to want to get into golfing, it would feel daunting because I don't know anything about it. And I'd feel that I'm walking into a new world and it's kind of, oh, what, what's a stupid question? And, you know, for me, no question is a stupid question. It's mm. just an unanswered question. So if somebody comes in and says, you know, I'm feeling really flat on the bike. Is that, is that normal? Yeah, sure. Well, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm just having water. Well, what water are you drinking? Well, it's one out of the big bottles. Well, you need to change that. I mean, it's not just a push on a brand. There's a reason why we drink Monvisa yeah. water. Well, what additives are you putting into your water? Well, nothing. Mm. What are you eating the night before? Yeah. And we have to have a good base knowledge mm. for pretty much everything. You know, We need to know a good solid information for somebody who comes in who's a diabetic, somebody who's allergic to, to, to nuts, who's, who's allergic to um, different aspects. We need to know that we can answer their questions yeah. and you're not going to feel stupid about it. You don't feel that you're threatened by asking the question you want to know the answer to. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of a lifestyle, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and it's about your body and your health yeah. as well. So it's and it's also got to be fun. <laughs> the biggest it. thing, it's got to be fun. Yeah. You've got to enjoy True. it. If, it's, if it becomes a slog, you're never going to do it again. Okay, I'm getting the nod from the producer, yeah. but I have two questions. One is around, uh, you mentioned both harnesses, Sheikh Hamdan, Sheikh Mohammed, who has often been seen on his bike, but Expo recently. And also the great story, again, we could talk about at length, which is the Team Emirates and, and the Tour de France. But when you speak to colleagues around the world in, in Australia and Europe, uh, what's the perception of the UAE and cycling? It must have changed. Oh, yeah. And in what way do you see this? Um, so I got married a number of years ago now, and part of what I wanted to do was actually have a ride the morning of, which I wasn't allowed. <laughs> um, you know my wife. Um, but she said, you can go riding the day before, but just be very careful. And so my mates came over and we, we had a ride out in the desert because I heard so much of it. You got married in Dubai and yeah, you got married in Dubai. Yeah. 
and um, and they'd heard so much about it and seen all the photos and you know Facebook was you know great back then um, in in initial days, but they were just like, wow, if there's yeah. nothing out there. But it's the same thing about riding next to a beach. The ocean doesn't yeah. change. Mm. And people sort of say, oh, it gets boring. You go, wow, you can ride up at you know, Hatter and all these places. True. And I think it's not, Dubai isn't the brunch scene, the party scene that people sort of see when they come over. I know that there was always the thing that it was a Middle East. So we were like other countries where there was, you know, conflict happening and everything like that. And it amazes me when you hear those sort of things. And then at the same time, they sort of talk about brunch and you go, well, they, they, both things couldn't happen together. Yeah. Dubai is an amazing place. I love living here. Mm. I miss, you know, living on a farm of 14, you know, 100 hectares, you know, back home um, and the green. But Dubai is amazing and mm. we, are, we are well sort of grounded in here, you know, thick roots yeah. um, you know, with everything that we do. To give you an idea of a perception that, that, that will probably hit, hit home to some people, love him, hate him. We had a ride with Lance Armstrong last year, yeah. and we we're out in the middle of the desert. Mm. Now, here's somebody, yes, yeah, sportsman of note, done his bad, done his good, whatever he's doing, your viewpoint of him. The comment is this, that he has ridden around the world. So he, of all people, knows what is a wow factor. Mm. We were out in the desert, riding in the desert, and he looked around and he went, you have a cycle track in the middle of the desert. And he looked around and he goes, who has this? <laughs> really? Who has this? Yeah. And he was blown away. It was mm. just, this is wow. Mm. So from that kind of level to, you know, your mom and dad going out for a ride. Mm. You know, Nick's dad comes over from Australia, gets to ride in the desert. It still yeah. wows him. So it, it, it bodes well for the future. The perception oh, yeah. isn't just here. That's getting spoken about elsewhere yeah, in the absolutely. world. Our goal is, our next sort of big goal is definitely, you know, Dubai becoming a, a sort of cycle city or the, one of the UAE cycle cities. Amazing. You know, Melbourne's won it, you know, a couple of times. Um, I'm proud of that, but I would, I would love to, you know, have Dubai. Well, that's the target, you know. The, there's a, sorry, there's an awards. There's the Copenhagenized yeah. list. Okay, okay. And that's one of the goals from the royal family side. They've said that's what they want. They want to be on the Copenhagenized list, which is the best bike cities in the Amazing. world. And I'm working with the guys, great. working with the guys on that for direction of what can be done and what we want as commuters and what we want as riders. That's on the cards and that, you know, it's come from the top. It's definitely going to happen. Amazing. You know, when that vision is there, when the boss says he wants it, it's going to happen. Amazing. Well, thanks so much, guys, for sharing your story. So if people want to get involved, how do they find Cycle Safe Dubai? How do they find Revolution Cycles? Where are you based and how do they get in touch? So um, Cycle Safe Dubai is, as it sort of reads, Cycle Safe, at Cycle Safe Dubai on Instagram and then www.cyclesafedubai.com um, okay. on the website. And the rides are there, memberships there, all of that sort of information. Okay. For Revolution Cycles, you can find us online, revolutioncycles.ae, or the website is rcdxb.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, we're all over the place. Just type in Revolution Cycles Dubai or Cycling Dubai, you'll find us, yeah. for sure. And during the week, you're, you're based up in Motor City. Based in Motor City. Revolution Cycles is now stuck in an amazing place right on the Dubai Autodrome. So we've got an incredible view when there's events and races go on. We've got uh, a nice balcony to look over it. And yeah, ample parking, pop in. Perfect. Well, Stuart, Nick, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having And, and yeah, follow your story in the future. Magic. Thank you. Thanks Thank so you. Much. Yeah, as I said at the start, that was a podcast that we talked about so many things and we could continue going. Uh, it's a good perspective of the cycle industry in the UAE, but also the business globally, um, how commercial it is, 
uh, how related to so many different factors such as uh, nutrition, apparel, and obviously the bicycles themselves. Stuart and Nick really know their stuff and I hope you got a lot out of it because I certainly did. Uh, big shout out and thank you to Alibaba, our producer and uh, our production executive, Shahir Al-Kindi. Next week, we've got uh, David and Piero from Exerio. Uh, if you do want to, if you do listen to Dubai Works on any audio platform, please do subscribe and leave a comment. If you want to watch any of these episodes or watch what else we do on Smashy, go on to any of the apps uh, or smashy.tv and sign up for a seven day free trial. Thanks a lot and speak to you next week.